Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to another episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. I am really excited for my guest today. My guest is Brooks Palmer. Brooks Palmer is a professional clutter buster. He's the author of the best-selling books, Clutter Busting, Letting Go of What's Holding You Back, and Clutter Busting Your Life, Clearing Physical and Emotional Clutter to Reconnect with Yourself and Others. He has appeared as the Clutter Buster on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Welcome, Brooks. I'm so happy to have you here today. Uh, Thanks, Kim. It's really good to be here. And hi, everybody that's listening right now. Well, I told you just a minute ago as we were starting, I've been in private practice for 30 years, and I don't specialize in organization or time management, but I would have a lot of clients that that was some of the issues that they were coming to me over the years. And so I always would recommend your book, and I want you to know why. There are so many books out there on how to get rid of clutter, how to organize, But your books are so unique because you really get what is behind the clutter. And I've like dug to try and see, I'm like, is he a psychologist? Is he? You have a real gift for figuring out what is behind people's clutter. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. In your introduction, you say, and this kind of sums it up, you say, when you clutter bust, you find yourself. You remove the impediments to a happy life. You naturally replace lack of motivation, anxiety, and unhappiness with peace of mind, certainty, and acceptance of change and progress. Can you talk about that some more? There's just something about letting go of clutter that gives a person their life back. That's been my experience. And I don't think about it like that when I'm working with someone. When I work with somebody, it's always been I'm very curious to like help them discover what isn't fitting their life, like what's ill-fitting in their life. Mm-hmm. And I, I go with the basic instinct that they're what matters, the person. This person is the value as they are in that moment. I don't care about their past or their future or how other people see them. You know, none of that matters to me. It's just this person as they are is, is the wealth, the treasure. And so from that place, I question things. I help them question, really, because like, my job is to help them ask themselves the questions. You know, like as if I gave them a, like, um, a plate of food and I had them take a bite. Like, do you like this right now? Does this taste good? Do you want to eat this? Like, I really want to find out the immediacy of today, the past. It's because otherwise you're living in a history museum. Yeah. You know, oh, these are all the things I did. This is yes. who I will. You know, like, like, as my value is measured by what I've accomplished. And, and that's nobody's fault to think that way. We're brought up to think that we're judged on how we perform. Like, school is very much about that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you get certain grades and if you get good enough grades, you can go to a really good school. If you can't, you're like, 
relegated to something else. It's just so much is based on like what we've done. And so we go into life feeling that way. Like I'm not enough Mm -hmm. that things are more important than me. And the only way I can become more is by bringing in more. Yeah. And it's never questions. It's just like, you know, so people bring in a lot of stuff and they live with it and they hold on to it. Cause it's like, that's my value. Yeah. But the only reason I can say it's to call that in a question is when I go through stuff with people and I ask them, do you like and use this or not? Like I'm using them as the meter, not other people, the world in any kind of way, but them. Like, do you like and use this today? And it, everything becomes so much more simplified. And suddenly there, it, it's like recognizing their value. Mm-hmm. And because they ask that question, do yeah, do I like and use this today? They're like, I want to take care of myself. I'm enough as I am. I don't want to have anything in my life that's hurting me, that's using me up in one way or another. And really that's what the process is all about. Yeah. Yeah. You do a great job of stressing how things don't make us happy. We're so fooled into thinking they make us happy time and time again. And we know this. And, you know, I was thinking when I was rereading these, we were, our house was broken into, I don't know, maybe about four years ago. And a lot of jewelry was stolen. That was very sentimental to me. Like, a necklace my husband gave me on our first wedding anniversary or the necklace I was wearing when we adopted our youngest daughter from China. And and she held on to it as soon as I met her. So they really held some sentimental emotions for me. You know, Brooks, I was devastated the week those were stolen. I felt violated and disrespected. And a lot of stuff that wasn't even expensive or worth anything was stolen, but it meant like things my kids made me, you know, but two weeks after that break-in, I was just as happy as I was when I had all that stuff in my life, you know, and it just made me realize like, yes, I was sad for the moment and I grieved that, but I am no different. My life is no different now than it was when I had that. And that was the stuff I thought was really important to me. We can learn a lesson like that, but I still get, you know, the clothing catalog and think those clothes are going to change my life. So why does it happen over and over again? Well, it's, we're hypnotized. It's anything that's repeated over and over again, we believe it. And it's repeated persuasively. Advertising uses a tremendous knowledge of psychology to, to get us to think that their product or service, whatever it is, will, will fulfill us. Not just like, oh, temporarily, like, oh, that was nice, but really change us, radically mm-hmm. change us. And again, to make us valuable. Because, you know, when we meet people, we often want to find out, like, where do you live? What do you do? You know, just things of, like, basically what we're asking them is what's currently in your life. Yeah. It's not really them. What are the things that you currently have, you know? And so we just, we think that way about ourselves and other people. Oftentimes when people, I work with people whose family members have died. Mm. So they inherit all this stuff and they have a really hard time letting that stuff go, even though they don't want a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And they feel it's wrong to let it go. It often just sits there and it just perpetuates the grief, you know? And really what it comes down to is 
it feels like that's the person. Mm-hmm. If I let go of this stuff, I let go of the person, even though they're already gone. It's some desperation there, you know? And the thing is, you know, we can never get that person through their stuff. Mm-hmm. We can only let that stuff go, and, and that person goes into our hearts and our memories. Yeah. And so it's, there's a lot of, like, reconfiguring in this process, you know, of like, mm-hmm. I'm not my stuff. Other people aren't their stuff. I'm not what I do, even though I'm currently doing it. I used to do other stuff. Now I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it comes down to this. Throughout our entire lives, things come and go. Think people, activities, and the ways of looking at the world, it, it changes. Even our bodies used to be really tiny and they got bigger, you know. And then once they get to a certain place, they start changing. So nothing stays the same. And the only thing that stays the same is deep down feeling of, I'm alive, I exist. Mm-hmm. Life is perpetual change. The more we let go of the stuff, the more we start questioning stuff and removing the things that don't serve us, the more we get that sweet feeling of, I, I am. Like, I, I'm enough because I exist, because I, you know, it's loving myself as I am in the moment. Yeah. So do you find with the people that you work with, because you, you say that holding on to things is a way to avoid change. You know, as I'm reading this book, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what Brooks would think about my house. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say I don't have a lot of clutter and I clutter bust a lot. And of course, after reading, rereading, I cleared off my nightstand and, you know, just because I believe in, in that, you know, being stuck in the past. But do you think the people that really, really suffer from this, are, that is their problem, like really letting go of the past? Because listen, we all have clutter because we're busy, right? Where we bring in the mail, mail gets dropped, or we've got kids who bring home papers and backpacks and things. There's all, everybody has some clutter. But this massive amount of clutter, like some of the stories you tell about people who literally have little paths to get to where they sleep. Is that people stuck in the past? No, that's a small amount. The people okay. with a lot of stuff. I mean, the thing is somebody's home could look very orderly. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Things could look you know, nicely arranged. And oftentimes that's thought of like, Oh, that person doesn't have clutter, but clutter can be anything. It doesn't have to be a pile of stuff. It doesn't have to look unsightly. You know, it, it's really like, it's that curiosity. Really. That's what I can, encourage the curiosity the wondering like i wonder what's in my life that's not serving me anymore because Mm -hmm. the reasons like knowing the reasons why we have clutter doesn't really help us Mm. it's just like oh yeah that i have clutter because this happened to me or i have clutter because my parents were like this or it's like all right great but let's start to take a look Mm -hmm. because you can even get attached to um a clutterer can you know get stuck in that and it's really letting go of like i don't need to know all i know is i'm not happy with things as they are like anybody that's listening right now on some level there's a feeling of unhappiness because of the clutter in their life i don't enjoy living this way i want to remove what hurts again it's that curiosity and i guarantee you like if you start to look around you'll start to discover things you know <laughs> it's just how it is and you're never going to get rid of anything that you actually like and use. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, as you read your book, I don't know if this happens for everybody else, but as I read it, there were specific things that would pop into my head as I'm reading, like something that I hadn't thought about in years. We have a pretty big house, so there's a lot of storage space. So you're right. It might look like everything's organized, but I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we could and should let go of. But there were these things that would pop up that I hadn't thought of in a really long time. I didn't even know necessarily on a conscious level were in my house that I thought of like, yeah, why do I have that? What is that serving me? And so it's just sort of shedding extra baggage. It is definitely shedding. I say this a lot, but you get your life back when you let go of the things that don't serve you because the presence of the clutter is very intimidating. It's a heavy weight. And you can get used to living with that weight. You know, you can get used to pain. It's part of the human condition. You can get used to pain. You don't really notice it anymore. Mm -hmm. But on some level, it still has its effect. And so when you start to remove these things that are stagnating, basically, I mean, that's what clutter does it. You know, there's this desire, like, I might be scared of change. So if I hang on to this stuff, it feels like things are staying the same. But life itself is change itself is like a tremendous field of vitality and movement so to try to live without change is impossible you know it may seem like you're doing something but it's really just this stagnant thing and so when that's lifted when the clutter goes you feel that feeling of life again it's the the opposite of life is stagnation the opposite of life is stability of not changing you know And so it's really like getting your life back is getting life itself back. It's this feeling of I'm alive, I exist. You know, there's this tremendous feeling of fulfillment of just feeling life itself. Yeah. Forget that sometimes. Again, it's not our fault. We're taught that stuff is more important than us. Yeah, we really are. And I know it it is marketing and advertising. You say in clutter busting, you make yourself into something you're not to get others' approval. Talk a little bit more about that. I mean, all you got to do is look at social media. Mm -hmm. Social media is constant. Like, there's the like buttons. There's, you know, that people commenting and stuff like that. So we're very, like, attuned to what are other people thinking. What do you feel? Like, we'll we'll put something out there, write something or share something. You know, it's creativity. Creativity is quite wonderful to share something, to express yourself. But then there's so much of like, you know, the criticism or the approval, you know, it inundates all areas of our lives. And and so like, we can't watch a movie without going to Rotten Tomatoes to find out, you know, what's the majority, do the majority of people like this or do not like it, you know? Mm -hmm. And suddenly we're this sameness of just, it's like we, we begin to become erased. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a really good way of thinking. I hadn't thought about it that way. I have felt like, gosh, everybody's become sort of the same. Everybody wears the same things and buys the same things since the advent of social media. But yeah, it's sort of like erasing our uniqueness. Yeah. And we're not the same. Yeah. The thing is, yeah, it's really true. Like everybody is profoundly unique. Yeah. I mean, we may have similarities for sure. But there's so much pressure to be accepted that we just want to go with what the general consensus is. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, that may not serve us because everybody has a nature. We all have different natures. 
like I, I like to think of it like this. Like people oftentimes will give, they'll give advice basically. Here's what you should do. Mm-hmm. And it's very powerful. We're social creatures. We want to, we want other people to like us and we want to, that person seems happy. I should do what they suggest. That's like saying, I wear a size nine shoe. You should get a size nine shoe. Mm-hmm. It fits so well. Oh my God, I walk around a size nine shoe all day and it feels so good. I'm like, oh, I should get a size nine shoe. That's what it's <laughs> like, you know? You should listen to this or you should eat this or you should buy this or you should become this or whatever it is. There's so many voices out there telling us what to do that we've lost touch with that quiet voice that says, this is what I want, you know, our nature. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world may not want to do this, but I want to do it. So that's okay. I'm curious how you got into this. You really have a gift for this. Your books are excellent. The audio versions are excellent. And the stories that you tell about how you discover these things with the clients that you work with, you know, the divorce papers at the bottom of the pile of clutter and things like that. How did you get into this line of work? My friend Craig is the one who encouraged me to do this 20 something years ago. I went over to his house and I wanted to sit down on his couch, but I couldn't because it was covered with stuff. I think that story's in the book or something. I wanted to sit down. So I said, can we go through the stuff so I can sit down? It's like, all right. So we got out a trash bag, went through one thing after another. I had some questions, you know. It was really like I had this really good ability to ask him without my putting my interpretation of what I thought he should get rid of or keep. Yeah. It made him look at the situation and got to the bottom of the couch and it turns out the cushions had been worn out. He's like, I'm a large guy. I think he sat there a lot and he just wore them out. So I said, can this be fixed? And he said, it couldn't. So I said, well, can we toss it out? He said, really? You can do that? And I was intrigued because I thought, wow, here's the thing. It's trash basically, but he's not sure if he can let it go. So he said, well, we put it out on the street. I felt if we put it on the sidewalk, someone would come and get it. And he's like, all right. So we carried it out there. Someone drove by and picked it up. You know? mm-hmm. And we kept going through the stuff in his house, cleared away a lot of stuff just because there was a momentum there. Mm-hmm. And again, I kept asking him questions non-judgmentally. And I was curious to find his answer. And that made him curious. And he got rid of quite a lot. And then he said, you should do this for a living. And I said, Oh, no one's going to pay for this. You know, I just thought, why would they pay for this? You know, and he said, you'd be surprised. So really that's, I am surprised, you know, it took off and a lot of people, I mean, I advertised it. I put it in Craigslist, Yeah. put up flyers, but people just started calling me and then people tell other people and then they would start. And I never sought out to do this, but I love it. I love the job. It found me. I mean, I know you say we're not who we are, but I just do believe that some of us are are born with gifts and we're meant to share those with others. And this really is a gift because I've read so many books like this and yours really stands out to me. And one of the things I really like about it is that you don't tell people start in your bedroom and do this, start with your photographs and do this, start, you know, there's not, it's not a system per se. It's, I mean, it is, it's a kind of finding out how to do it for you. It's a unique recipe, like you said, because we're all unique. And as you read the stories, there are different reasons. And I know you say that the reasons maybe don't matter, 
as to why they have the clutter. But what seems to me in the stories, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that once the person realizes what they're, why they're really holding on to something or the meaning behind it, it's easier for them to let it go, it seems. Yeah, sometimes that does happen. I probably shouldn't say it doesn't matter. You know, maybe for some people it does to know and maybe it will inspire them. Like, oh yeah, I felt I should hang out all these things for um, this particular reason, but that doesn't matter to me actually, you know. So it, it could inspire someone. Yeah. You say that clutter is an addiction, that we use things to keep away pain. And we use our stuff to manipulate a feeling of joy. And that that really resonated with me. And I think it can resonate with a lot of people as they get that little burst of joy when they buy a new purse or a new piece of art or a new pair of shoes or video game or whatever it is. But that never lasts. It's so temporary. Can you talk more about this and how people can kind of work through it and be more conscious about that? Well, it is temporary. I mean, but the thing is, it's sometimes it's dramatic. We'll get something new and it's, it is exciting for that moment because it is new. And in some ways it can be distracting. I mean, stores know that. Stores know that people often shop when they're feeling depressed and down, excuse me, in one way or another, you know. So they'll hire people that are friendly or they'll, you know, there's a lot of thought put into the, the store experience because you do forget about stuff when you focus on other things. You forget about the stuff that's bugging you when you focus on other things, you know. And now there's, you know, Amazon and eBay. You can get lost in that. So really, a lot of it's distraction. We're distracted. The pain is still there underneath the distraction. Sometimes the distractions are really elaborate, you know, are incredible in their own ways. But it's always short-lived. Sometimes you buy something and you're driving home, and it's like, it starts to go away as you're driving home, you know? Yeah. It's just starting to recognize that. Again, the curiosity is really important. There's no criticism here of, you know, you shouldn't have had clutter or you should let it go or what's wrong with you. There's none of that here. It's just like, oh, well, of course this happened. Our, our society's set up this way, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't mean stuff is bad, you know? Like, we can certainly enjoy the stuff that's serving us. I have a guitar. I love playing the guitar. It was a lot of fun for me. At some point, if it's no longer fun, it's time to let it go. But for right now, it's pretty good. So, so there's no, like, you should be a minimalist or anything like that. For some people, that serves their nature. For other people, having more stuff serves their nature. But it, again, it really comes down to the basic of, I'm enough as I am. You know, it's starting to consider that idea. As I, whatever's happened in my life, whether it's really good or really bad or a mixture of both, I'm still enough. Whether I'm feeling sick or poor or I don't have a job or I'm feeling lonely or whatever, you're still enough. You know, <laughs> it's that breaking away from the old way of thought, and and it helps to know some to notice sometimes, like. I will be enough when I fill in the blank, like whatever that answer is. Everybody has their own answer for that. Yeah, maybe it's like when I have a certain amount of money or I have the right person or have the right house, or it could even be like spiritually, like when I become loving enough or giving enough or whatever, patient enough, then I'll be enough. Mm -hmm. So everybody has their own answer for that. It's worth like 
looking at that and asking, is that true? Yeah, that's a great, that exercise is in one of your books and it's a really good thing to do. And I do think, and I don't know how old you are, I'm guessing, because just looking at you, but I'm 54 and I'm guessing maybe we're somewhere in the same decade. Oh, I'm, a, I'm six years older than you. Okay. But don't you think, Brooks, as you get older, you, that you learn those lessons? Because I think of younger people, I work with a lot of people in their 20s, and that would be when I make this much money, when I get my master's degree, when I get my first house, when I... And I think as you get to our stage of life, you realize, no, you were happy all along, you know, or you had what you needed all along. I mean, I've heard stuff about how when people hit their 50s, 60s, that they're actually become happier because generally, not 100%, but some people do because there's that recognition because the experience of, all right, I've gotten all these things, I've done all these things, and I still feel the same. So maybe that's not true, like what I thought, you know. But somebody could recognize it when they're younger. Maybe they're just hearing this talk and it starts them thinking about that. Yeah. What if I were enough? Again, it's the, the culture is very much, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, people would say, like, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to be? And there was a lot of importance placed on that. Or what college are you going to go to? Or what, mm-hmm. you know? So there was a lot of, like, importance. And as a kid, I just, like... I just recognize, like, you know what? I feel really good as I am. Like, I didn't think about it becoming any profession, you know? Mm-hmm. Just thought, this is really nice. Whatever this is, it's right now in this, it feels really sweet, you know? So maybe by hearing about this, it starts to incorporate some of those, these new understandings, you know? Yeah. So your second book is about emotional clutter and reconnecting with yourself and others. And I love that because that's really, this podcast is called Connecting. And I talk about anything that helps us better connect with ourselves or with others. And you focus more on how clutter impacts our relationships. And sometimes clutter is a buffer or even acts as sort of a defense in relationships. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, buffer. Well, clutter can be very distracting, so it can keep people from connecting with not only with themselves, but with the other people that they're close with. Mm-hmm. One of the best things in the world is the feeling of connection. Mm-hmm. Connecting with, again, connecting with yourself or with other people. That's really like when people look back at their lives, often it's the connections, that, that just the experience of being with other people that they feel an affinity with has tremendous value. The presence of clutter as a way of dissipating that connection. I remember these this couple, they were on the verge of divorce. Their bedroom was so, it was just so crazy in there with stuff. Stuff under the bed, on the sides of the, like on the side tables, on top of the dresser. And so I just thought like, let's work there first. Because I thought like, that's the couple's office is the bedroom, you know. So we just started going through stuff. We cleared off the side tables. They had this huge TV. It was back in the old, like the days of the old TVs, the non-flat ones. Mm-hmm. It was like in 2001 Space Odyssey, that monolith. Uh-huh. It was just like this big monolith in the room. And so I suggested letting it go. And I brought it downstairs and they're like, no, we want it back. So I brought it back upstairs, like carrying it. And then like, no, let's let it go. So it was like, it was hard for them to let it go. Uh-huh. But the thing is, once they really started removing these things, they started becoming closer. Yeah. And they, and they decided not to get a divorce because they just, 
they got they rekindled that old connection. But it, it's really easy to get caught up in distractions. Sometimes the tra- distractions are activities, not stuff. Yeah, so we, can get, we can spend a lot of time on the internet or checking email or things on our phones, the apps. You know, there's so many distractions. They're exciting in the moment, or they can appear to be exciting in the moment. But oftentimes what the, the cost is in the destruction of relationships. I remember I was, I was outside w- taking a walk and I saw all these kids playing soccer, a big, big soccer game. And the parents were all on the sidelines. Pretty much all of them were looking at their phone, you know? Maybe it was a relief for the parents at that moment. Maybe they just didn't have an opportunity to look at those things. And here's like, oh, here's my moment, you know? But for the kids, it makes a difference. Like, they, they know that their parents not parents not paying attention on them. And that's really important for a kid. So there's a loss there that occurs. Mm-hmm. And cell phones are, are built as an addiction device. I mean, the whole thing, the iPhone is like, you know, that's really intimate. Mm-hmm. So it's not our fault that we're addicted to our phones or to the internet. Because again, it's like when you go into Vegas and you gamble, it, it's built to make you want to gamble, to give all your money, you know? And so it's really the recognition of what's actually happening here. What activities am I doing that are taking me away from my connection with my own voice, my connection with the people that matter to me, you know? But then openness to take a look, a curiosity to take a look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to really look at anything in your life, and how that's keeping you from connecting with who you are in the present and the people that you love. Yeah, if you can do it. I always add, if you can. Because sometimes when people want to do some kind of thing that they feel would benefit them, they say, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop doing this other thing, and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can do that, and sometimes we can't. Yeah. You know, from experience, it's like sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And so it's, it's a kind way of doing things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this if I can. It's admitting the human condition, you know. And there are times that they probably can't, that they have too much on their plates and that... Definitely times where you're going to be overwhelmed and you won't realize it and you'll stay yeah. in overwhelm for a while. Yeah. There'll be definitely be times you'll set up like, I'm going to go through my stuff. And you set it up in your phone or on the wall calendar and then you don't do it. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that, that's mm-hmm. okay because, that, again... I'm okay no matter what I do because I'm alive and I exist, you know. Other times I can do it and I'll get some great benefit from that. So I have a question for you. How do you think, and I really love and appreciate your perspective that like you can't give this like one size fits all advice, right? Because everybody's circumstances are different. But how do you think somebody knows if they do need to really take a look and be curious about their clutter, whether it's emotional clutter or, you know, I've worked with clients who they keep on weight as sort of a buffer in their relationships or, you know, habits. How do you think someone listening to this, how do they know, yeah, this is some work I probably should be curious about? Oh, you shouldn't be curious. Definitely. But if you are curious, great. You know what I mean? It's a Uh subtle distinction. (laughs) But there's, okay. there really, there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe your whole life you'll have a lot of weight. Maybe your whole life you'll have a lot of clutter. Maybe your whole life you'll be uh, addicted to the internet. 
So they'll just know when it's not serving them anymore. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe that'll happen. You know, like my experience is like trying to push someone into doing something or pushing yourself like force in a sense. It's a force. Yeah. I have to do this. It doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. No one likes to be told what to do, especially by themselves. Yeah. And especially by people that are close to them. Like I used to be hired by people that would say, can you work with my brother or my sister or my dad? And a couple of times I tried that, but the person I worked with wasn't into it. So it didn't work. So it really takes an openness, you know? And that's why I try to keep it really kind and really simple. And there's no have tos here. I had this client once, he was like, I just having so much time, hard time getting rid of stuff. I, you know, cause I was asking questions and he just didn't want to let go. And he was just like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I, I wish I'm sorry. I'm not getting rid of stuff. I really apologize. And I, I said to him, I said, if you don't get rid of anything at all, I still think you're great. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you get rid of anything at all. Mm-hmm. And he just started crying. He, there was this recognition that I think he got the idea that he was enough for, even if he couldn't get rid of his clutter. Mm. And it's, it's a subtle distinction that it, it goes a hundred percent against our society, which is you have to do this. You need to do this. Yeah. Again, even spiritually, you know, you need to be more compassionate. You need to be, if you know, people can get down on themselves for not being loving enough to themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be more loving than myself. Well, that's really inspiring. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but I, yeah. I really think it's like, okay, I'm feeling stuck. I still love myself. I'm stuck. This is how I am right now. If I could change, I would. There's a tremendous compassion in that. You are such a compassionate person. I bet your friends just love having you in their life because you're encouraging and accepting and compassionate. You have the most amazing and unique exercises in your books. And I I use them with my clients. I used one yesterday about paying attention to their body and feeling a part of their body that was edgy and kind of having a conversation with that part of their body and understanding it. And you have one about having a cup of tea with your fear. Can you share, you know, one of your favorite exercises? Because I mean, they're just fabulous. I use them myself. I use them with my clients. Oh, I'm glad. I'm I'm really glad it helps. That that makes my day, really, because I can only see so many people or talk to so many people. So it's really nice to know that these words are helping people. Yeah. I've often enjoyed that part of being a writer. There's people that are being helped that I have no idea about. And occasionally I'll meet them, and it's quite wonderful, you know. But I I think that, again, that curiosity about yourself, about what you're feeling, and, and asking questions is really helpful sometimes for yourself. Sometimes I'll have that. I'll be like, just feel, I'll feel this tension. I feel the overwhelm coming in, you know? And so I'll do my best to step away from whatever I'm doing in the moment and just kind of say, well, what's going on? What do you need? To myself. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes I put my hand on my heart because that's where I'll feel it a lot, is in that area. And like, well, what do you need? And I may not get an answer right away, but it feels really good to ask. Yeah. It, it's It's like... If you're a kid and a parent comes up to you like, are you okay? Can I get you something? That, that's what it's, you know, when we get older, sometimes we don't have people doing that for us. So, so you know, yeah, it's not saying like, oh, you shouldn't have worked so much or like, well, you know, of course this happened to you because you didn't 
take a nap or you weren't eating properly. Like that never helps. Mm-hmm. Though it seems like it does, but because we're taught that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, what's going on? I'd like to know if you feel in your head or in your stomach, you know, maybe you didn't need to say anything, but just putting your hand there. It, it can mean a lot. Otherwise, we'll feel like I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm going to go online and stream some TV shows. Yeah. Because those are available, you know. Netflix is when you finish one show, it just automatically gives you the next, you know. Or I'll just go on Amazon. It's like, well, let's see what's, you know. Again, we're trained to look for, I hurt. I I don't want to hurt. I really don't want to hurt. I'll get something that'll make the hurt go away. Yeah. But the hurt's really, the hurt is a voice in and of itself. Yeah. The overwhelm, it's it's a language to its own. You know, it's like, and we can, and that's why, like, talking to it, it really wants to be heard. That's what it is. It's it's like, hey, (laughs) you know, waving its arm, waving its hand. And it's like, the tenderness is, the tenderness, you can never lose with tenderness. You know, mm-hmm. tenderness is one of the best things. So that's really what this is. And, and maybe you have your own way. Like I say these things, but maybe you're like, you know, what? I have an idea how I'd like to do this. And then you follow that. So, yeah. or you can try some of these things that are being talked about and if they fit great, if they don't, there'll be something else. Yeah, they're really good. And I I just think they're unique. They're not exercises I've really seen or heard before. I was having a really stressful couple weeks and my back's been really, really bothering me. And I got a new mattress because ours was worn out. Not just because I wanted a new thing. Ours was worn out. And um, I did your exercise about feeling where the edginess was in my body and focusing it and sitting with it and having a conversation with the pain. I did add to it. I took it on a stroll and I left it out over the side of the cliff. And you know what? My back felt a whole lot better after that. Like it really did. I think our body does speak to us. And if we try to ignore it or feel the pain, whether it's with drinking or drugs or shopping or food or Netflix or whatever it is, we're not addressing the pain. And your exercises get you to address the situation, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, or just, or the stuff, just the clutter. Your exercises get you to really face it. They're, they're basically opportunities for way in to, to, to um, they're opportunities to feel better. So if, if you feel like going towards them, great. If you don't, great. It's, maybe a person needs to drink for a while before it, it gets to be too much for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they need to buy stuff for quite a long while before one day it's just like, I can't do this anymore. You know, sometimes everybody has a different level of too much and, and when change starts to happen. But changes often comes from within. You know, there's this, it's not like I decided to change. There's this inner prompting that often comes up. Yeah. I mean, if I'm overwhelmed, like at that point, I don't really have the wherewithal to think I'm overwhelmed. And then suddenly there's this quieter voice that comes in that says, hey, what's going on? What do you need? You know, it just, so again, it's not all on our shoulder to change. It's acceptance of being open. When you're open, the, Answers can come from so many different places. Sometimes just seeing a leaf falling from a tree can make a difference. Or sometimes you just get this sweet thought that comes in 
when you're open and you maybe wouldn't have listened to before. And it's like, oh yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So just kind of as we wrap up, I highly recommend your books for anyone that does want to clear the clutter in their life physically or emotionally. And after hearing you talk, I don't know if you want to answer this question, but I'm going to put it out there anyway, because it was what I had prepared. What is one way that people can start clutter busting today after listening to this or one question they could ask themselves? Well, just imagine this. Inside of you is a clutter radar. It's a knowingness when something is off and it is a radar. Mm -hmm. It's like, something feels awry. It's a discriminating part of ourselves. It's built into the mechanism of being a person. And maybe sometimes you hear it and sometimes you don't. And you might be distracted and you don't hear it. Mm -hmm. Or you might hear it and like, like, oh, you know, you could be in the midst of an activity and like, I don't really like doing this. I used to think I liked it or I didn't even know if I liked it or not. All of a sudden there's a recognition. That's the clutter radar. Or you're going through clothes in your closet and you see a particular shirt or a pair of pants and you just feel like that's old. It's like when you bite into a, some bread, it's like that's stale. It's mm-hmm. the same feeling. That's a cluttered radar. Okay. You know, you'd be talking to somebody and you realize, oh my God, this person's so exhausting. <laughs> or they're so critical. Or like, mm-hmm. they just constantly tell me why I'm wrong. Like, I didn't even notice that before. It just doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. That's your cluttered radar. So... By talking about it like this, by hearing about this clutter radar, it turns it on. It's there. And now it's awake. (laughs) It's like, it's your friend and you can trust it. You can always trust it. Yeah. Everybody else may say like, oh, you got to do this. But your clutter radar knows you 100% and knows what's good for you and what isn't good for you, you know? Yeah. And and it's not critical in any way. It's It's just, it's pure like, oh, here, how about you know, consider this. That's awesome. That's great advice. It's like when the doorbell rings and you, you answer it, you don't have to think about it. Like, oh, there's someone at the door, you get up and you go and answer the door. Same thing your clutter radar. Again, it, you don't even have to ask. It's sort, it's sort of like, you know how we breathe and we don't have to think about breathing. It's taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. About eight and a half years ago, I got a double lung transplant. I got two brand new lungs. And I was sick for about two and a half years before that. It was basically from the clutter busting work that I had been doing. Not all jobs were really like that toxic, but some were. Like some had uh, incredible amounts of mold or animal feces or food that was left out or just some places were really filthy. I was working a lot and I was breathing it in. And the doctors explained that that. My immune system was attacking the stuff that was in my lungs because I had a really strong immune system attack the lungs too. So they got damaged and the lungs can't heal themselves. Like ours, you know, if we got a cut on our skin, it's just not their nature. I kept thinking like, all right, I'm going to get well on my own. Figure out, I'll do a bunch of stuff, go to healers or eat the right supplements or, Mm -hmm. you know, really look deeply into myself to figure out what's going on. I thought I could get well, but I got sicker and sicker. At some point, I was so sick that I was stuck at home, laying in bed most of the time, breathing out of this. It's called an oxygen concentrator. So it pulls oxygen out of the air, and it delivers it through your nose to a nasal cannula. But it gave me the extra oxygen I needed, Mm -hmm. because you need to have like between 95 and 100% oxygen saturation. Mine would go down to like 80, you know, or 70, you know? Wow. And I'd be like, 
really dizzy and a hard time thinking. So I still wanted to like get well on my own. I was hoping mm-hmm. for this healing. There was people were doing healing circles for me, you know. And finally what happened was I started having this feeling like even though like I'd lost 50 pounds and I was breathing like a long distance runner all the time, my ribs were sticking out and my cheekbones were sticking out. I, even though I was wasting away or basically dying, I had this tremendous feeling of being alive. Hmm. I was so curious, like, how can I deep down feel that aliveness feeling at the same time, my body's like falling away, you know? Mm-hmm. And I got this intuitive sense. It was an image of a candle. And you light the candle and it's burning down and the flame stays the same, but the candle melts away. I thought, I'm the flame. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm life itself in the body. And it just gave me this great sense of uh, freedom. Like the only thing of value was being alive. But I even thought if I died, I'd still be okay. Because mm-hmm. life itself can't die. Life is perpetual mm-hmm. everywhere we look, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I started feeling that kind of feeling, but I still didn't want to get the lung transplant. Mm-hmm. And my wife was giving me a bath because it was really hard for me to bathe myself. Even mm-hmm. just to move the slightest amount, I was out of breath. So she was pouring water over my head. And all of a sudden, I just started crying out of nowhere. Big tears. My heart expanded. I could just feel this, whatever tension had been there in my heart was gone. Felt it expand really big. And I said out loud, I want to live. I want to be alive. And the next day I called um, University of Chicago where I'd been seeing the doctors who'd been telling me you got to get a lung transplant. I said, I want to be on the list. And they put me on the top of the list because I was really uh, sick. Mm-hmm. But basically that was a clutter bust. Wow. I was hanging on to my lungs because I didn't want to let them go, even though they weren't serving They weren't me. serving you. Wow. Yeah. So anything can be clutter. Wow. And I didn't see it for like a year and a half. I was trying to do it. Like I got to hang on to it. It's like being in a really bad relationship, you know. I don't want to let it go. You know, I don't want to let it go. I can figure it out. I can make it work, you know. And it was really like, yeah, if you hang on these lungs, you're going to be dead. Wow. <laughs> 100% dead. That story is so touching. And you know that there will be people listening to this that are facing some physical or emotional crisis or decision like that and your story's really going to help them that would be wonderful i'll tell you like i really adore people that are sick you know like because i was in the hospital a lot after the transplant i had to go to physical therapy because i had to learn how to walk again because of my muscles they all atrophied and stuff yeah and i was around all these other people that were just in some kind of pain and they were in some mm-hmm. kind of recovery mode I had so much love for them because it was sort of like they were so vulnerable, you know? Mm-hmm. When you're sick, you're really, it's really, you're 100% vulnerable. Yeah. Because you're like, I can't, I can't help myself. I'm injured, you know? Yeah. So I just really admire these people that would show up every day to do whatever, you know, that would help them. Again, you're enough even when you're on your deathbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've reminded us of some really important lessons here. The books are called Clutter Busting, Letting Go of What's Holding You Back. That one has a red cover. And then Clutter Busting Your Life, Clearing Physical and Emotional Clutter to Reconnect with Yourself and Others. And I know you offer some Zoom sessions and you have a website. Can you tell our listeners where they could find you? I'm sure I'm at clutterbusting.com. That's with an I-N-G. You can hire me to work with you for a, a Zoom session. They're an hour in length. Mm-hmm. And... 
they really get right to whatever's going on very quickly. And then you know, it becomes very clear. It makes it, it makes it really easy to let go of stuff. So let me ask you this question, just out of curiosity, when you do the Zoom sessions, are they showing you their clutter or does that not even matter? You know, sometimes they don't, they just talk about it, but they'll, they'll also like, they'll have their computer or their, or their phone or their tablet and they'll just, they'll, like a camera, they'll show me, you know, I have a really good clutter radar myself to other people's, whatever's stuck for them. I can just sense it. It's like, like if you're a massage therapist and you're working on someone's back and it's like, oh, there's tension there, you know, it comes really quickly. And then I'll start asking them questions. Yeah. Things happen fast. You know, it's so interesting to me that it doesn't take long to get to the source of what's going on and it doesn't take very long to resolve it. But it does take that curious investigation, you know? Well, I think you're just, you are a phenomenal question asker. Um, yeah, I'm really good. I'd be a great talk show guest or host, you know? Yeah, you ask <laughs> great questions and it just comes through like... My clutter radar is not really going off much these days, a little bit, but I still love reading all your stories because they, to me, they're such human stories about people's pain and journeys and about them overcoming their pain and letting go of their pain. Because as I read the stories, a lot of people are holding on to things to protect themselves or to comfort themselves when they are enough, just like you said, and they don't need that stuff for that. So the stories alone are really beautiful stories of growth and of healing. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, I enjoyed it too, Kim. It was really great talking with you. You're really easy to talk with. And and I just want to thank everybody for listening, you know, because it's a lot of courage to, to, to listen to something like this, you know, to even consider this is is quite a big deal. So I admire your um, courage and your curiosity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area.